Trey Wick. Welcome to the Coffee with Kelly podcast. Every morning, God downloads little tidbits of encouragement into my life, and I would like to share it with you. So grab your favorite cup of coffee, and let's take a moment to chat. Hey, so it's a beautiful day in South Carolina. Praise the Lord for the sunshine. So before I get into this podcast, I just want to say I have barking dogs. I've tried to record this a million times and I I get so emotional. I get all the way to the end and I get all choked up. So I'm just going to share this with you. Please forgive me for anything that goes on that's chaotic. <laughs> this is not easy to record a podcast, y'all. So anyway, Greg and I spent all day Saturday attempting to make pierogies. And for those of you who aren't familiar with them, they are a wonderful Polish treat, similar to an empanada or a pot sticker, and they can be filled with all kinds of different things. And we have Greg's Bouchard's recipe. So we're getting the dough rolled out to the correct thickness and the size and the shape, which was interesting. And we came to a point when we decided we better call my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, because we had tons of questions. So let me just preface this by saying that Greg and I, we've never made these before, but I have made them with Aaron. And Aaron and I, you know, Greg would always be like, let's make pierogies. You guys need to make pierogies. And we'd be like, uh, they take a long time. It's a lot of work. It is a process because not only do you have to like roll out the dough, you know, the dough is all homemade. The, the ingredients inside of them are homemade and then you have to close it up and then you have to prep it. And it's, it's a lot of work. So what could have been a very stressful day really wasn't so bad. And I was concerned because I'm a neat freak. And I clean as I go. And Greg is a chef. He just concentrates on how perfect the food is and the mess all is a part of it, right? And while he's rolling out the dough and he's cutting it to the exact size he wants, I am looking at the dishes, the spoons, the knives, the bowls strewn all over, flour everywhere. And I'm wondering, how long is it going to take to tackle the cleaning? And um, I'm doing all this while I'm trying to boil them and wrap them and label them. And uh, if you're following me, you know that this could have been a recipe for an argument. <laughs> and we're still working on the perfection process, but God is so good because in addition to my da- baby, blah, 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 my daily Bible reading, Friday night, I finished a book that was so inspirational and thought-provoking that it helped me, I believe, to remain calm and demonstrate quite a few of the fruits of the Spirit, in particular, the spirit, uh, the, the self-control. I do believe that I practiced self-control. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so I have to tell you about this book, and I know that if you read it, if you take the time, it's really going to mean something to you. It's called Evidence Not Seen by Darlene Diebler-Rose. So without giving too much of the story away, um, Darlene and her husband, Russell, were missionaries in the Dutch East Indies Islands during the span of World War II and were taken as prisoners of war by the Japanese. Darlene spent four years as a POW. There were so many times when Darlene had nothing but Jesus. and She spent time in a dark, cold, insect-infested, solitary prison cell. She was beaten. She was accused of being a spy. She was severely malnourished and at one point sick enough that she could have died if not God's healing. And here's a couple, there's, there's an excerpt that I want to share, a couple of them. And, I, and I, I'm going to try not to get emotional because for me, I'm just reading this and I, I get emotional. So forgive me ahead of time. We're going to get through this. The actions of one of the women in particular fascinated me. 
Every time the sentry on duty turned his back to her and marched to the other end of the courtyard, she inched over toward the fence covered with ivy. When the guard clicked his heels, turned about, and began to stroll in her direction, she stopped. This went on. There he went, and there she went. Aha, intrigue. She's going to make contact with someone who's hidden in those vines. Isn't this exciting? Oh, do be careful. With no books to read, I'll watch the drama taking place here before my very eyes. I empathized with her. I wanted her to succeed and not to get caught. Finally, reaching the vine-covered fence, the woman stood very still. The guard clicked his heels and went off again, and at that moment I saw a hand shoot through the tangle of vine. It held out a big bunch of bananas. Quickly, she grabbed the bananas, slipped them into the folds of her sarong, and strolled nonchalantly back to join the other women. Nobody knew she had those bananas, but I did. Bananas! I dropped to the floor of my cell, exhausted from the efforts. I shook all over. Worse still, I began to crave bananas. Everything in me wanted one. I could see them. I could smell them. I could taste them. I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, I'm not asking you for a whole bunch like that woman has. I just want one banana. I looked up and pleaded, Lord, just one banana. Then I began to rationalize. How could God possibly get a banana to me through these prison walls? I would never ask the guard. If he helped me and was discovered, it would mean reprisals. I would certainly never ask the favor of the interrogator or the brain, his boss. There was more chance of the moon falling out of the sky than one of them bringing me a banana. Then I ran out of people. These three were the only ones. Of course, there was the old Indonesian watchman. Don't let it enter into his thinking to bring me a banana. He'd be shot if caught. I bowed my head again and I prayed, Lord, there's no one here who could get a banana to me. There's no way for you to do it. Please don't think I'm unthankful for the rice porridge. It's just that, well, those bananas look so delicious. What I needed to do was link link my impotence with God's omnipotence. But I couldn't see how God could get the banana through those prison walls. And further on in the chapter, we read, I heard the guard coming back and knew he was coming for me. Struggling to my feet, I stood ready to go. He opened the door, walked in, and with a sweeping gesture, laid at my feet, bananas. They're yours, he said. And they're all from Mr. Yamaji, the camp commander. I sat down in stunned silence and counted them. There were 92 bananas. In all my spiritual experience, I've never known such a shame before the Lord. I pushed the bananas into the corner and I wept. Lord, forgive me. I am so ashamed. I couldn't trust you enough with one banana. You couldn't give me, I didn't believe you could get me one banana. And just look at them. There's almost a hundred there's so much more in this book that I can, that I just can't even begin to share it all with you. Even in this excerpt that I read, there's so much more to the story. Imagine being a missionary, doing God's work, the work that he called you to do, and ending up in a POW camp, totally isolated from the outside world, struggling to survive, being beaten, living in filth as a woman, 
eating moldy, worm-infested rice, and yet still being not, and yet still being able to recognize God's blessing and praise Him. How many of us blame God? I, I was thinking about that. You know, as Americans, we we can be so angry with God. We can get angry with God, asking Him how He could let things happen. Seriously, I mean, I think it's awful when it's cloudy and raining outside. <laughs> I get an attitude. We complain about the guy, pass, bleh, the prices of gas, food, the cost of living increasing, but none of that really matters. Darlene passed away on February 24th, 2004. I'm so thankful that she wrote a book about her life so that in January 2023, almost 20 years after her death, I could read her story and it could impact my life. Darlene is with Jesus, but because of her faithfulness to God, her work to write out her testimony, I have grown in my walk with our Savior. I know you're thinking, I barely have time to read my Bible, let alone a book. I I don't know your schedule, and it's hard to find time, but I know how God has dealt with me. I have a hard time sleeping at night, so I usually stay up late, hoping that I'll end up tired enough to sleep at least six hours straight. And I was watching Hallmark movies, but recently I found that the, their idea of PG&G is not Kelly-friendly. And there's so much more out there on Netflix and Amazon and Hulu that's not Kelly-friendly either. And how many times can a girl watch Pride and Prejudice, right? <laughs> so that being said, I resorted to reading. I know this was God because he's been telling me to put more time to good use, to put my time to good use. But I found it, but I fought, oh, sorry, I fought it for quite a while. I did. I fought it. I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to read. I didn't want to study. I just wanted to sit and just, bleh, you know, just veg. But I want to encourage you. You may not write a book or record a top 10 hit in the Christian music world. You may never be a POW or a martyr because of your faith. But someone is watching you, listening to you finding encouragement in your walk with Jesus, your testimony. Follow Jesus, read his word, pray and listen to his voice. Be all that he's called you to be. You never know when life will happen, good or bad, but Jesus will use it for his glory if you trust him. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I pray you're encouraged and blessed.